make jokes over there. <laughs> All right, Dylan. Let's get it started. We're two minutes in, and we're not two minutes in because I'm going to cut the beginning of that because it was terrible. I guess I should have traded you arms because your arm is terrible. Well, I, I'm going to have to deal with what I have. This, this looks, this is fine. The levels are good, right? Yeah, the levels are good. I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure on any of this, and I think yours, yours is picking up me. I think a little bit, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Um. And I don't really know how to do, I don't know how to fix any of that. So we're just going to try it. And if this podcast goes terrible, then we'll just do another one. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I think we should uh, also, your your podcast intro. Yeah. We should film it again. I think so too. With this light. With this light? I think it looks better. With more light? Yeah, I don't know. I just... And also, we, I, th- I think we could do, do better. better. Yeah, shots. me and Dylan filmed last night um, an intro to this podcast. And it's highly likely that you'll never see what we filmed last night because I think we were both a little exhausted and a little delusional. <laughs> yeah, we had some good ideas, but we now we could actually do them a little better. This, or last night, we just kind of threw together. We were just like, oh, that'd be cool. Had you pulling down the table and then filming the camera about 40 times. Like, (laughs) that'd be cool. I mean, yeah, it's so unique, but we just, like, we failed completely to capture a cool way of showing it, I think. Maybe not completely. I think it would work. I I think it's, I mean, yeah, you could work with it, but I, I don't know. It's, I just think it had a lot of ideas that we were just going off of the, just like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. And we didn't really think about it that much. Yeah. But I mean, some of the ideas were really cool, but I don't, a lot of it, like we didn't think about movement in our shots at all. I know that that's what I was, I was like, oh man, I, we just started filming and I was like, oh, I'll just film like a static shot of the, I don't know, some object. And well, that's kind of what you do with like documentary filmmaking, which is what you're doing. Yeah, but I also that that guy Mark Bone mm-hmm. on YouTube like has the best advice about um documentary filmmaking cuz that's what he is. Right. He just does that and he has his own like uh camera setup but he basically always looks for um some type of movement if you can. Mm-hmm. Um obviously if you're like getting a moment where there's like you know a scene where somebody's talking and there's something you have to capture I mean, like movement may not help or it may like distract the people that you're trying to get the scene from. But a lot of times if you're trying to just get B-roll, like movement is actually really big because it can make a shot a lot more interesting. Like especially even in this room, like just us sitting here like this versus like something sliding, like it, it gives more yeah, like, no, definitely like movement. Yeah, it's more dynamic. It just adds more to the story. Of yeah. that shot. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, <clears throat> like, it, it's just B-roll shots, though. Not, like. Right. It's not, it's just giving some context. It's not, like, necessarily adding that much to the story. 
Yeah, not the overall story, maybe. I mean, it just depends, too, on the style and, like, what you're making. Right. if you have a lot of movement anyway, you want to make it pretty consistent. Um, but Yeah, and, dude, I've been so interested. Like, I really want to do a documentary-style um, video because it seems so fun. Like, just actually... There's so much that, like, goes into, like, making a story out of something and when you don't have a story it's like what like what are you doing well yeah that's why um even if you see films that have like kind of shitty like not shitty uh visuals but just visuals that aren't like national geographic or things that are like super high quality if you have a good story and it's like a consistent set of themes and style and it's like it everything you see in the film it always moves your story forward it's like a tr- like we learned it's like a train track and anything that veers off that track is not going to get you where you need to go so like right so like if as long as you veer, if you veer off a track as long as you have something that pushes you back on your main track yeah then your story will be consistent and, and it'll intact be, it'll be intact and then people will be able to watch it and be there for from beginning, middle to end. And I think some of the best ones have that, that veer off track where you're yeah. like, I have no idea where this is going. Yeah, exactly. And if you, if, if you have no idea where it's going and then it doesn't come back, then you're like, well, that didn't, that was terrible. Yeah, exactly. But if it veers off track and then comes back, you're like, holy shit, what? Yeah, and that's like w- with bigger films and mm-hmm. like series for documentary they do that a lot because especially in like the true crime Mm -hmm. series, like they'll totally lose you and like they'll go off a track on a, on a track that where they'll talk about, um, they'll pull back on a character, like their backstory all of a sudden. And you're like, wait, what? Like, where are we going? And then, but what they'll do is like that backstory will lead into a scene. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a true crime that I've seen. Um, and I don't even know what the like a, the definition of a true crime documentary is. What is that? That's like a just like when like a crime that's true. It's <laughs> a well the the only or the one that uh, like I'm trying to think is it like when the like when someone gets murdered and they do a documentary about how that person got murdered and who did it? Is that a true crime? Yeah, that's one. But I feel like just true crime documentary is like it's looking at the. Judicial system, usually. The judicial system. Oh, okay. Like, I think that, that's just, that's what I... Maybe those are the ones that you've seen that are true crime. Yeah, I mean, and true crime could be, like, people could... Seems pretty broad. This is true crime, but somebody else may be like, I don't know. Like, that's the hard thing. You can't define... But I mean, it, I mean, it, just the definite, like, the, the words itself, true crime, just make me think it's a crime that happened. So, like, a murder... Someone stole something, maybe like the um, Enron thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that was a huge crime. And then they just do a documentary about that. But it has to do with the judicial system in some form, you know, because there's always some type of like. But I mean, in like a murder, maybe not. Like if you're there is, there's always a court trial. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if if you're doing a documentary about this guy who. went around murdering people 
for like five years and then they found him and then they, they did due process on him correctly. I mean, the, the judicial system isn't going to be a focal point in that story. Right. I just, I was thinking like that it had something to do with it. Like it's not the focal point, but it's like in all true crime series or documentaries or films, it's always like the judicial system is in, it's whether it's a detective or whether it's, right. you know, a, a judge or the court. So some, por- some, some part. Some involvement of the judicial system. That's like something that I feel like it's always involved. Like, cause a crime has to do with breaking the law. So it, and the law is whatever the it's judicial system. held up by the courts and the judicial system. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. And like the true crime, the one that I'm thinking of is a movie called the three deaths of Marie. It's like Maria Escobado or something, mm-hmm. but it's a de- uh, Netflix documentary. Um, it's a film, but it basically just like goes into the murder of a, a woman's daughter in Mexico. Okay. And the guy gets acquitted and is let off on murder, even though he confessed. And it's about her journey to uh, end violence against women in Mexico. Cause there's a lot of women that are just killed and then there's no justice. Brought. So they just did it because it was like, he was a man. Like it's just a corrupt system. Well, he just did. It was his girlfriend and he like, he got, he had like a rage moment and I guess he just he like killed her. And then he like actually burned her body Jesus and tried Christ. to just get rid of it. I, it was like one of those cases where the guy was like super guilty. He was just like, ah, oh, I, I confess like, but then the, for some reason, the judge, the court system let him off. It, it didn't make any sense. And that's why, like, I think they just basically, like, she wants to find why so many people are let off. And a lot of it has to do with. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's a little. Jen just interrupted one of my mom's friends. She looked very, <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> doing stuff very important here yeah extremely we're talking about true crime documentaries <laughs> that we uh, that they're the we backbone just, of america <laughs> that we just watch that we watch we have no we've done nothing <laughs> we've done nothing in our yeah. lives it's, it's okay. you ever think about that you ever think about like when people get to a point where they've actually made a difference i mean you mean if somebody's successful in some way like yeah i mean in any way like you, like parents provide, um, business owners, like provide jobs and services and amenities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like the, the really like wealthy and fortunate are able to give like a lot and make a big difference, you know? Yeah. But I feel like it's, I mean, it's cliche, but it's like all relative to, like the success is all depends on who the person is too. Right. And that's something that I struggle with so much because I I often feel like I put too much um, pressure on my success. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, well, that that's not something that I want to give up. You know, like I have such a drive for success mm-hmm. that I don't want to like water it down. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should. 
I think people should just always like take a step back in certain aspects and just like make sure that they're, um, you know, if, if there's too much pressure, like being able to recognize it, right. It takes time. Like you, you, you often don't even know when you're putting too much pressure or when you're not doing enough, like sometimes you don't know until it just takes time. I think. Yeah, just trying to become aware of when you're, like, putting pressure on, like, unnecessary pressure on yourself. Because, like, realistically, one thing that I do today isn't going to set me up for being successful in the future. Mm -hmm. However, a multitude of things that I do over the next 30 days may one like instances like single instances over the next 30 days may set me up for success in the future. Right. So it's hard to recognize when it's time to like be like, okay, this one isn't as necessary as maybe the one that's tomorrow or a different project. Yeah. And it's also accepting too, like if you, if something doesn't work out the way you want it, like just being like, okay, how can I at least make this, whatever's happening now, the best it can be yeah. rather than dwelling on, Oh, it could have been this. I have a hard time with that too. Cause I, that's why I don't make a ton of stuff. Right. And I, I just dwell on like, Oh, it could have been, but then I don't focus on like, well, what the, could this actually be then now? Like just work with it. Yeah. It's, it's, so hard. it's so frustrating. And I like, we've gotten into a point in our lives and just in society in general, where there's so much comparison mm-hmm. that it deters a lot. Yeah. Like you talk about it every day. I talk about it every day. We look at these videos that are amazing mm-hmm. and we're like, I want to make something like that. And then we think of an idea and we start making it. And then we're like, well, this isn't that. When realistically, there's no way it could be because we haven't really made anything yet. And it was just like what we started with where we were like, we shot everything and then we're probably not going to use it. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, as long Which as is, we, in that situation, I think it's fine. Yeah. As long as we do something with it in some, <laughs> if we, if we shoot it and we're like, well, we don't like this and we reshoot it yeah, that's and true. then use it. That's, we learned from the beginning part, but if you make something and then just give up on it completely, <laughs> then you're not learning anything really. Yeah. Except for maybe that you suck. I've learned that I suck often. There's such a good quote that, uh, on Instagram that you don't remember. I don't, I just remember the, the general idea of it, but basically it was like the, this artist was like, I, um, people get to a certain point as an artist where they feel like they need to quit like they've, they haven't done things enough mm-hmm. to get to a point where they are actually settling into their voice or whatever, their art. Right. And he's like, the reason why there aren't as many artists that you see that are like doing work that people notice or, you know, things that are really, really unique and you haven't seen before is because people give up at that, right at that brink that hill, like that top yeah, or almost the top of the hill where it's like they haven't done it enough and gotten out all their shitty work 
Yeah. Because people, that's the thing you have to accept is you're going to make shitty work. You're yeah. just going to make shitty work. And that I've had the hardest time with that because it's like when you make something that you think is good, you want it, the rest to be better or, oh, it, yeah. or as good. And then when you make something worse after it totally makes you think like, Oh man, like I can't, um, it's, I, I don't know if I even want to finish this. I'm going to move on to something. But if you just force yourself to continue to like finish things, you will get past those points where you, you know, quitting won't be in the option. It'll just be like, okay, well, I'm actually seeing good work now. Yeah. And I don't think that, I mean, that's just about like discipline and that's, that's what I hear. That is the only thing that I hear about successful people, like the real successful people that made it from like their own, they made it on their own is that no matter what field they were in, no matter what they were doing, they were disciplined in it. Like relentlessly, like getting up and making something every day or every week consistently or, um, like an example that's popping to mind, probably just cause I've been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast is, um, the fighter who just retired, I can't remember his name, but his dad died of COVID. Um, and he's like the best MMA fighter that there is. Khabib. Um, oh. Yeah. And he, like, he's What's a, his nationality? an animal. He's Russian. Oh. Um, I believe. I'm pretty sure he's Russian. I said that was such matter of fact <laughs> that if it's not, no one's going to care because no one's listening. <laughs> But, um, it's so, uh, like he's so disciplined that there was no like question whether it was going to be successful. I mean, the dude wrestles bears. <laughs> Apparently there's a video of him wrestling a bear. It's a really hairy man. <laughs> just a big, huge Russian dude. That's hairy as hell. Yeah. Just from a distance, it kind of looks like a bear. You're like. Never really learned how to speak. (laughs) (laughs) They throw food to it to get it to tame it. (laughs) It. I just called it an it. Sounds like this. I mean, that would be an a weird experiment on people, dude. That that's where our society would go. There would be a giant guy, you know, that doesn't know how to speak, and is super hairy, and people would jokingly be like, "That's an it." Or that's a bear. <laughs> and then everyone would freak out. You mean like people would just evolve to become just like. No, no, no. Like people would, like in our culture today, everyone would get hurt by that. Like themselves. They would be like, why you can't say that about him. It's like, yeah. it's a joke, dude. He's seven, five. He's 450 pounds. And he's, his hair is three inches long all over his body. <laughs> Yeah. And he doesn't know how to speak any any language. Yeah. That's not a human. That is an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. But people yeah. would get hurt by that. I mean, that's kind of what they do with animals. What people get people hurt? like give like. There's we're getting into interesting waters, but like I do, I believe that animals have rights, but like we've gotten to a point where we can't even joke about animals 
in yeah. some sex. I mean, not the majority of people, but like Twitter. Yeah, I don't, I, I honestly don't even have Twitter because I just, I couldn't stand it. I don't have the app downloaded. Every once in a while, I'll go and look on the browser mm-hmm. because I don't want to have that immediate click to it. Yeah. I want to be like degrees of separation away from it because it's so <laughs> fucking mind numbing and ho- stupid. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, most of it, but there is some good stuff. But what I've found is that there's like two things on there. There's super woke. And then there's people like Tim Dillon, who's a comedian and he just tweets the most horrific shit. <laughs> and he's so funny, dude. It's hilarious. Cause it's all com- comedic. Like when you read it, you're like, this is a joke. He jokes about, I mean, he jokes about his mom dying because he doesn't have a good relationship with his mom. He was like, I went and visited her in the, in the insane asylum and it was great. And I'm excited for her to die in a week, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like, he tweets the most like fucked up shit. And like, that's who he is. And he, he doesn't give a shit what anyone says about what he's saying because he understands that it's satirical. Like it's all a joke. Yeah. But those people aren't understanding that. So he has nothing to apologize about. Yeah. Which I I think is like, when you get to that point, it's so liberating. Oh, when you just don't care. Yeah. But the most thing, the thing that I use Twitter the most for is keeping up with Elon Musk and SpaceX. Right. Cause well, and literally, our ex-president, Trump. Uh, yeah, was, well, uh, he's still our current president. Well, yeah, that's true. He's still got a couple of months or a month. He, he used when Twitter, the, so you have to, you have to, to some degree, follow it because he's leading the country, so. Yeah, and I actually listened to an interesting thing today about that um, on the Joe Rogan podcast with Moxie something. Um, but they were talking about how like if Trump wasn't president, there's a high likelihood that his account would have gotten banned. <laughs> for what though? Just for outrageous shit. Like a, they were saying that a lot of people, well not they, Joe was saying that, like I know him, Joe, you know my Joe buddy Joe, um, was saying that there's a lot of people on the right who have gotten their accounts banned because of what they've said on Twitter. And Twitter's like a very left leaning like all the big tech companies are left leaning. Um, and I'm not really sure why, but I think it's just that appeals to the masses more than being conservative. When, when really, if we're thinking about it, most of those companies are extremely conservative. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, there are money they're making. It's, they have to be pretty, they're well, about profit but, over, every, over over everything. They're, the whole business model of all those social medias is consistent growth, which is impossible. Like you're supposed to, we're supposed to get to the point where there's, they have all of the money. Like Facebook has all of the money. Like that's where it's got to go if you want to never lose money. Yeah. No one has money. Facebook has all of it. Facebook is our leader now. And they just give us things. It's kind of scary. Well, I mean, that's that's scary though. Like, yeah, it is. Like, of course. That's, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's the amount of power and control that these social medias have over how they curate content 
to persuade us is unfathomable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could see that it's scary when you've got a lot of the uh, people in Congress or in, in the, you know, representatives of the country, like, questioning Mark Zuckerberg in their, in that trial um, or in that, that court case mm-hmm. against um, determining, like, the, oh, yeah. I, I can't remember what it was called, um, but, like, they, you know, they no one knew. They were just a generation too old. Not And it's like the leaders of our country don't even know what is going on with something that's so running... And it makes sense. The country a lot. I mean, it's just interesting. There's no way they could understand it. Right. I mean, we don't even understand it completely, but we don't understand it. Yeah. But like, it's like interesting. The policies that are made around that are mm -hmm. made by people who don't understand it. It's just so typical. Like, isn't that so typical of all? I mean, our whole society right now is broken pretty much in all ways. Like if you think about our last election, we just had an election with two 70-something-year-old white males, and they were talking about race issues. Yeah. Like, when you think of the cliche racist, what do you think of? A 70-year-old white male. Probably. Yeah, that generation. Yeah, I mean, they don't, like, it's just the fact that we're in a situation where our two candidates were them or those two people is just unbelievable. Like we had, for the past two elections, we've had the worst candidates. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have Trump even in the cards. Like that was like a joke. Like I cannot believe that. It says a lot though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it says a lot. I think the and biggest reason. And it was close. Reason, this last one was close too. Yeah, I think the biggest reason, okay, like, I mean, a lot of people are just tired. Like I get that a lot of people are tired of the, and I'm not, I'm not huge into politics. I don't, right. but like all I, all I can say is like when Trump was getting elected first, um, I just, I, I couldn't, I just like, was like, I cannot believe that at least like that guy would be elected. Like I couldn't believe it in terms of somebody coming in that, could be different, who could, to an extent, like, not lead through the traditional, like, politician way where it's it's very, like, money-oriented and, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are hidden from the people because um, it's, like, it's ironic because the democracy is very controlled and dictated as the democracy that the government wants. Yeah. But... I just think that Trump, unfortunately, was not the guy to come in and change things because we do, we did need somebody to, you know, change the way the country, you know, viewed, I guess, like all aspects, like the economy and um, the way we function, especially with like how diverse we become. It's just unfortunate that, um, we needed someone who was more of a somebody to unite people and unify because what it came down to is just bad timing and a coincidence is he was a leader in the prime of like divide 
Like right now we're in the yeah. most divided I've ever seen. And I'll, I'm sure a lot of people have seen in like since the, the 50s, 60s of, you know, a lot of the civil rights movement. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I feel like um, if someone could look at, yeah, there are not a lot of like blatantly racist people today. There's, there are like a lot of alt-right groups, but there's, there are unfortunately systems in my opinion Mm. that are racist just the way they're set up. And it's just, if we could change some of that or at least acknowledge it, you know, people, we could move forward. I just think we're almost like naive and it's not, it's not everyone's fault. It's just like, there's gotta be some type of leader that could open that up because I, we're going to just become more divided if we don't understand that racism is not the blatant racism that you see. It's, it's the, the institutions, unfortunately, that have fed into this like constant, like class divide of like, okay, this person won't uh, get as much opportunity as the next person just because of the, the thought in the back of your head of, oh, that type of person is probably not going to be as successful as this type. For instance, like in my class, I took a race and ethnicity class at Chapman and it was actually, it like really opened up my perspective because um, he brought up, our professor brought up an example of if you, you know, and this is just something that he brought up. Like if you say like you brought in like a, um, an African-American person came in versus a Caucasian person coming into a bank, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the office representative or the representative at the front helping people with, um, you know, loans and stuff like that, just due to predisposition and like, it's not, it's not malicious, but it's just like, there's that unfortunate, like bias is like, ah, well that Caucasian guy or male or female, whatever may have a better chance than the African-American just because of this, like, it's pretty, ingrained. Pretty, yeah, it's ingrained. And that's that's the racism, I think, that the BLM movement, all that, that's what they're fighting for, I think. Which yeah, it I depends. never I never it knew. Depends. Like, I think the movement and the organization are two separate separate entities. Yeah, and like, yeah, not just the BLM movement, but I'm just saying like the you know, like the people of color like are really fighting for this racism that we're a lot of people are naive to, which and, I, I'm still I'm not I don't even know what people go through. Like yeah, I, I can't I. say anything, but I just wish that I don't know if even having a president that would open things up like that, you know, and like help change things with institutions over time. I just think like, yeah, I was just unfortunate that, you know, we had someone like Trump, which it just it just made things divided. I think that's my. I opinion. think I think that there's something really interesting that happened in this last election. <clears throat> if you look at the reasons why the race was much closer than everyone expected, it's not because of white voters. The only ethnicity group to reduce their votes for Trump were white Americans. Right. That, yeah, Usually, that and mostly older white Americans were the only ones that vote, voted less for Trump. 
And a lot of the people that voted more for Trump were black males, Asians, Hispanics, because, you know, I don't, I mean, I obviously don't know because I'm not in their shoes, but there's speculation about it, um, that he's actually done more than a lot of people expect for those groups. Um, and I think the main thing that people are failing to understand is that, have you ever tried to, like, have you ever had your house, like, really messy? Yeah. And have you ever, like, been like, oh, I got to clean up this whole place? Yeah. When you start thinking like that, you're far more likely to put it off. That Rather than being like, okay, I got to start with my bathroom. I got to oh, clean up my like bathroom. Look at- you mean looking as like looking at the whole picture other than yeah. starting somewhere? Right. I mean, like the idea that one politician could come in and flip the whole fucking thing on yeah. its head and change everything in four years with our bu- bureaucracy is unreasonable. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not. Yeah, I don't expect that. But I think that's like what a lot of people think. Yeah. Like they're like, we need someone like that's what a lot of these liberals think that um, Biden's going to do, I feel like. Yeah. When there's no, like, we've seen it time and time again. Political officers or whatever, they're politicians mm-hmm. promise that they're going to come in and do this. And then they get there and they do a fraction of what they intended to do. Right. I wish someone would come along and be like, honestly, I'm going to get this one thing done. And then the next person behind me can get this one thing done. And then the person behind them can get this one thing done. And it's just going to, we're building on each other. And that's how this process has got to go. Well, that's Rather what- than, I am the person that's going to change the whole thing. Like it's not a single thing, like a one group. Right. It's the whole group that's going to have to make this change. Like if we're on a soccer team, we've seen this before, and there are two people that are like, okay, we really got to do this, but the rest of the team isn't in line, it's not going to work. Right. It's just not because we haven't communicated that this is all that we can do or that this is the way that we want to play. Yeah, and there, but in that example, I think there probably has to be just like an overall goal that everyone is on board with. Right. You know? And that's hard to find because. But we are in a time right now where I, we have more people agreed upon a single idea. Yeah. Just at least get out of, you know, the pandemic in some, you know, healthy way. We're not just having people dying all the time. The pandemic came along at a really interesting time and like exploded. It made our like, Division, much more visible. Yeah, because it was always there. Yeah. But, it, but like when you get hundreds of million people, hundreds of millions of people stuck at home doing nothing, sitting on Twitter all day. Yeah. You really see division. Yeah. Which is super. Dude, I feel like in 10 or 15 years, if we're not all dead, um, there's going to be some really interesting documentaries. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 
I feel like film will all of that type of film, like documentary and uh, those films that are like based off of true, true events, you know, like, I don't know. They're all going to media will change in ways that we don't even know. Like it's going to, I don't know. I almost think that some of the film is going to be like a lot of it's going to be so similar in like what everyone experienced, but I, yeah, I think documentary will just become like something that other people will use. Like it'll become more important than what it is now. Like it'll just be, it'll be used as something to like learn from rather than just written history. It's like, that's, you think that maybe, well, I think we have documentaries like about world war two, you know? Yeah. And other like things like that. However, I think, you know, this is kind of a hard argument to make because like what I was going to say is that in world war two, there was a specific set of people who were sent out to fight. Um, however, everyone experienced world war two in some way, you know, like lots of people lost loved ones. Um, lots of people just missed their loved ones for a long time while they were out fighting. Um, our economy changed completely during World War II. There was so much that was sparked by World War II as a, in terms of like cultural change mm-hmm. and just like everybody feeling it. And what I was going to say is that with stuff that we're dealing with right now is there's going to be such a massive amount of people that get to look back like at a documentary about Twitter and be like, I was part of that. And even if it's not documentary, I guess I meant to say more of like film and photo, like image capture, like image capture rather than. Which is like a uh, form of journalism. Yeah. Like, yeah. Journalism in general, because. I mean, journalism has changed. It's less, it's not written anymore. And And I think it's going to make an interesting change to more podcast style. Like it's going to be auditory. Yeah, true. Which is weird. I think we're making our rounds. And like, I feel like, like clothing is cyclical, you know, like we go through. There's trends that go go back to years that. Like radio was huge. Radio was the thing. And podcast is like kind of another form of radio, just a little less censored, a little more individualized. Yeah. Um, but it's still just like the spoken word. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, oftentimes you see that with clothing and like style is like they bring back an old style, but there's a new twist to it. It's more individualized yeah. or it's less individualized or something like that, you know? So it's all going to make, it's just going to make, I think it's just going to keep going around and around like this. Yeah. And like, I think writing though is super even though it's not as prevalent now like it it may like you said those trends like writing may become the next best way again and so you know it may be different a little bit but i just think like when everything's so saturated with a certain type of format like people want something different yeah it's just how it works it's like 
there's an explosion right now of media and like I think image and like looking at stuff, but writ writing has totally like kind of had to take a back seat just because of the because innovation. it's slow. That's yeah. the reason it's slow. And I think the reason or the only way that I see written word coming back around is artificial intelligence. Um, and that would be Neuralink chip implementation to the point where we can read far faster than we can right now. Cause reading just takes so long. Like if you want to read a book, that that's like you're committing hours. Yeah. But, but even, if you want to listen to a podcast about a, a t- that book topic, you might just listen to an hour podcast. And while you're listening to that, you can be driving. You yeah. can't read and drive at the same time. Yeah. I just, it's interesting too, though. Like, I don't know why I'm like, like with writing, because I love media. Well, I love like film and imagery, like, you know, mm-hmm. visuals. I love yeah, it. But I also, I've sort of found that I, because I, I used to hate like writing. Like I was so bad at writing. Like I, I just, Me too. <laughs> I was just so like, I could sort of write, but I, it was, I always just would go off tangents. I would never have a clear point. Who are these people that actually enjoy writing when they're kids? Who? Like I've, who, who is that? Well, I mean, crazy people. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people are like, I know a lot of people that, um, you know, they, they look at writing they'll look at like lyrics and yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, written word is super powerful. And I think that's always going to be extremely powerful. It's going to be timeless. I mean, written word will always be there, in my opinion. It's never going to like go away. It's just, it's always going to, it's like the, where it comes out more, like it depends on what that, the context of the time is, you know, right. and like imagery too. I mean, I think, I don't think imagery will ever go away either. I just think that like, it's, it's interesting. It's like the more I get into, uh, more visuals and stuff. I'm always, I always get, it's just natural. You get drawn to what is different, I guess. So you're like, wait, so wait, what about writing? I've been super interested in like, like I've told you, like trying to write more with story and stuff. Um, and I actually think a lot too is, um, Madison. She writes a lot. She writes a lot. So does Charlie. And I, yeah. And like, I never, I never made myself really appreciate certain things, but like looking at how she values it and like how important it is to her. Um, I've also seen like how important it is in general, because I mean, you could look at, uh, you know, like writing, you know, books and like really famous pieces of written word that are just like, it's constructed in a way that is so complex. Like you can never just, you can't explain how people think like that. Like their brain just translates a language to create imagery rather than like directly creating imagery just by what you're looking at. You know, it's like they have to, they have to go through it about a a different way of like translating it. You have to like articulate it in a way where people can try and see your perspective. Yeah, it's Which so is crazy. So hard. 
that's why I, I've, I've wanted to get better at it, but it's just like, it takes so much time. It's so hard for me. Communication like that is so hard because I'm so visual in my head. Same. Um, that like, like with these projects like this. Yeah, building all this. I could see it before I even drew it. The whole thing. You have I, like a written like, <laughs> the shelf has a tiny bit of dust on the corner. Of the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it has way more than a tiny bit. <laughs> we tried to clean it and it's still dusty. But, um, oh my God, it's really, really dusty again. <laughs> like that, that's fresh dust. Well, we're in a garage. So every that's time true. a car drives in and we have a dirt driveway. Yeah. It's going to kick up it's, and just settle. This whole place is just going to turn into the dust bowl. <laughs> but, um, like when I try and like, I'll visualize something like this and then I'll try and I'll try and tell someone my idea and I have no idea how to do it. And I get angry fucking mad because people don't understand what I'm trying to do. And I'm just like, why don't you understand this? And it's because I'm a bad communicator. And that's the reason it's not because they lack the vision. In some cases it is. Some people just don't know how to visualize things. How, but in a lot of cases it's because I am, I'm so, I can see it so clearly in my own head that it doesn't seem like I need to articulate that much because I think that they can see it like I see it. And I think that that comes from me and my dad's relationship because we could see things the same way. And like when we talked about a building or something that we were going to make or something like that, it wasn't hard. Like we could tell each other and then it was like, we both visualized it. Mm. So transitioning that to like trying to, articulate an idea to someone else that's not my dad. It's just not going to work the same way. I have yeah. to like figure out better words. And that's kind of what this podcast is about. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, communicating on a podcast too, you, it's hard to, you know, there are going to be tangents, but there it's, it's cool when you see people do podcasts and they can almost like do it in a way where they, tie things in. They're always thinking of, oh, well this, you know, talking about this right now would really help um, move on to another subject at the end yeah. or like tie things from the beginning in the end. You know, it's like, it's kind of like a form of um, storytelling too. Cause it's, Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's a wrap up of a certain. I time. love podcasts. Yeah. Like, I listen to all sorts of podcasts, informational podcasts, comedy podcasts, more informational podcasts. I got, I, I got listen really to two types of podcasts. I got really into them. I still, I listen to them, but I just, I, I stopped, I think because I, I don't know. I, I now use like, it's weird, but when I drive, I try and just like, I don't really listen to music anymore. Just I just to like, listen to nothing. Kind of, because I'm just, it's like a time where I'm just it's like, good. okay, I can just like not be thinking. I'm hyper addicted <laughs> to information. No, seriously, like really, really addicted. I mean, it's not a bad thing. No, it is. It's about, it clouds me, dude. <laughs> like I can't, I have, I have to start scheduling out time. Like I have to schedule my day so structured so that I can actually get things done because I end up like trying to, 
do a million things while also trying to in take in all of the information. And it's yeah. just not realistic. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to edit photos for like three hours, I can listen to like a comedy podcast. Yeah. You know, because I'm not really that. Yeah. You're attached. not listening or you're not like trying to get information out of it. It's right. just more like things pop up here and there. But like, if I don't set a time where I'm like, okay, for the next two and a half hours, I'm just going to edit photos. And with that, I can also listen to a comedy podcast. If I don't set that up, I'll start editing photos and try and listen to an informational podcast or try and watch YouTube videos about camera gear or shit like that. And I'll never get anything done. Yeah. I, I know how that feels. And I'm like, I wake up and I have to like listen to something that's going to give me something like immediately or watch something that's going to teach me something because I got into this state where I was trying to learn everything. And now I like, I'm trapped by it. I like can't get out of it. <laughs> I'm like, I need to learn something right now. Like, what am I learning? What am I learning? What am I learning? That's, that's my head. What am I learning? What am I learning? <laughs> Do we need to have an inter intervention? Yeah, dude. I need to, I want to throw my phone away every day. I want to just chuck my phone as far as I can. I need to downsize to <laughs> a flip phone. I'm honestly, you're going to be moving to the Himalayas for a year. We won't see you. <laughs> I feel like that's up in a, in a, little rap up there, just <laughs> meditating. Just this is great. <laughs> just like shaking like a crazy person. Yeah. I need to check. I have this, the information overload is so, and then I end up not learning anything because I'm like, I have to take in everything all the time. And then I'll listen to like one pot, like one video and then go to another podcast and then go to another video. And I don't give my brain any time to compress and analyze the information that I just listened to. Oh, <laughs> so I I'm know. not learning anything. No. I, yeah. It, There's little things that I'm learning. It's true. Cause there is, I mean, I don't know everything about it, but like, isn't there a limit to what your brain can take in at a certain time? Oh, I'm like sure. Information like. I mean, there's a limit to the amount of good decisions that you can make in a day. And that's why a lot of like the main, like this is, this is science and I'm not a scientist, so I don't know that, but it's science. <laughs> but that's why like people like, um, the king of Apple, what was it? Steve Jobs and the king of Apple. people like that, like wore the same thing every day. They had 25 pairs of these shorts and 25 of these shirts. They didn't have to make a decision what they were going to oh, wear. Oh, we've talked about this. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's just like there is a decision that I don't have to make every day. You know, and that gives me the room to make a decision, another decision that might be more important than what clothes I'm going to wear. Because who gives a flying flirt? That's, That's what I've always had an issue with that because I've been, uh, yeah, when I like... I'm one of the several people who has ADHD because I have ADHD. Yeah. Diagnosed. Yeah. Really? Cause I, when I was a kid, I, I was way different. I was super hyper all over the place. Is that why you're never on time? That's honestly <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I guarantee. Oh yeah. No, I know. Cause I, I can see it when, like when we're like, if you're trying to leave my house, I can see 
your thought process and how it like bounces around and then we, you never end up leaving. <laughs> yeah. And everyone has it to an extent. Everyone has, I don't know, ADHD. I just think like people have it in various degrees. Like I have it more with, yeah, I can't focus super well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do focus though, I can focus so hard. Like, like that's hyper, why hyper focus. Yeah. Hyper focus. When I edit, I can edit for, you get into that flow state. 16 hours. That and flow I won't, state. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, or or I'll... 16 hours? I've done it before. I, no way. Yes. Jesus, for, dude. For school. Because we edited from... Uh, like, we took some breaks, but we had a project. Did you get hungry? <laughs> Did you get hungry? That's my problem, dude. When I start editing, I'll sit down for like three hours. This is as long as I can go without food. That says a lot. <laughs> dude, I'll sit can, down for three do hours and I'm like... I'm fucking so No, hungry. so people have to remind me to eat. That's, I'm telling, like, I remember my freshman year, it was that first documentary class I took. Uh-huh. Remember I told you I stayed up two nights in a row? Yeah. That was the 16 hour. Like, we we stayed up. Also, it was due. dude, sleep for me. I'm like, nah, fuck this shit. I'm sleeping. <laughs> dude, and that's the thing for me. I can't, I don't sleep very much. Like, I... I've gotten better. I've made myself... Remember, I used to listen to white noise all the time. That's what I do, pretty much. I just listen to The Office, which is essentially white noise after you listen to it 500 times. <laughs> I think I have the record for the most... I've listened to The Office more than any person on the planet. Yeah, you... There's somebody else I met. No, they didn't listen to The Office. They listened to some other show. I was like, oh, my friend... It's highly possible that I've listened. It's not, I don't think, but I'm close. Well, yeah, you I've been doing it, it since day. seventh grade. I think listening it at night, every night. <laughs> there's probably been since seventh grade. There's 365 days in a year. I don't even know how many years that is, but since seventh grade, I've probably missed a hundred days where I haven't listened to it. That's God. I'm. I should probably be admitted for that alone. <laughs> Man, yeah, I I stopped listening to white noise. Do you just you just fall asleep to nothing? Mm-hmm. I want to try that again because I think I can now. You could definitely. I have a hard time. I sleep time. so well. Yeah, I sleep better than I used to, but I still. It takes me a while to sleep, and like, even last night, I was just like, I "Can you not turn your brain off?" No, I. I it's hard for me, like especially if I'm, because like okay, so, since we filmed last night late. Mm-hmm. I get into, I'm just super wired, you know, it's just how it goes where you're just like very, you're into something, you know, and you're just like, your brain is going like a million miles an hour. I, when I got home, I I started talking to Connor. Right. And I just, my, my brain was not shutting off. And like, that's why I just could not, we just started talking and then then I went to bed super late and then I was all, I was still wired. I, that's how I go to bed. Usually I have to just like, I always practice literally just laying there and listening to any sound. sounds like you get, I, it is so crazy. That's I've had, meditative. I've literally this two summers ago, I made myself, um, that's when I started in the car. I, I started to not listen to music and stuff because I would literally take those times to just listen to what was going on around me. And I, every time I, my mind would pull out, I could see it. I could, I could like yeah, yeah, yeah. see my mind being, it was like I was being drawn into a rabbit hole. I would pull myself out. And that's like the practice I've 
One summer, I made myself do it every single time. I would catch it, practice, coming back. What do I hear? And I would just focus on auditory. Like, there's other things. You could focus on, like, whatever you're right. seeing and all that. And it it sounds weird, but it's just, like, I think I needed to do it because it helped me now get into these projects a lot better. Where now, yeah, I'm, like, actually doing, like, a lot better work than I used to. Where I, before, I was always, like, I'd make something and I was like, oh, it's good. I'd spend a million hours on it and then I'd be done for so long. But now I'm able to like. It's more consistent. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm doing the two projects for school mm-hmm. and I have another project on the side that I just finished the first draft of um, for, it's, it's been a long time coming that nonprofit organization. Oh, you finished it? Yeah. Your first draft. Yeah. <laughs> Is it good? It's, it's Are okay. you going to show me it? I'll show you. You're I mean, be it's disrespectful it, as hell. But you know what? I freaking hate showing people stuff when it's not done. I hate that. Unless so it's, unless it's someone reviewing it who is the client or whoever, or someone who, who I can't I'm working on it. Your with. work for you. You're you're probably <laughs> an exception, but I can never like. I I can't show anyone really like that makes sense. Stuff. I, I feel that too because you're like it's not done. I don't want you to like judge it based on what it is right now because it's not done. Yeah, and it like, makes I me feel that. I don't care more about the person. It's myself. I, I see them reacting and I think I get harder on myself. Cause oh I'm yeah. Like, no, same. That's how I am too. I hate watching people watch my shit. Yeah. Cause I'm like, like it makes me want to. And, and you see all those little things. Cause we've watched it a hundred times over yep. and over and over. And we hate it. Yeah. We hate it already before <laughs> we show it. We hate it, but we've convinced ourselves that we love it because yeah. we've seen it too many times. You watch anything too many times. You hate it. Yeah. Like you're done with it. You eat, you eat mac and cheese too many times. You hate it. You're done. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's my mac and cheese. I've been consuming this mac and cheese with my eyes all night (laughs) and I hate it and I'm done with it, but I got to show someone it and see if they like it because I've convinced myself that it's good. And then I see the little burnt mac and cheese (laughs) in the corner that no one notices. They just eat it without even seeing the burnt piece, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And but you people, see it every time. You're like, there's a burnt piece right there. Well, that's how everyone and is. And then like, you see a little like weird reaction right then when that happens. And they didn't even notice it, but they maybe moved or something. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, I have to go and fix that now. I you're- talked, that brings up this, this quick story about this. Uh, I talked to this guy that's from Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he told, I told you about him, but he went to Chapman. He was like in the same boat. Oh, yeah, as yeah, yeah, yeah. But a little he, bit, yeah. He like his name is Sam uh, Sam Price Waldman, mm-hmm. and he's is he like, still here in Albuquerque. He's here right now. Yes, he but he works in L.A. Oh, okay. But he works as a, a documentary cinematographer, which oh man, I would love that. Would, I would love to do that. Yeah. Um. But he he also edits and stuff. But he I I like forced my way to get a hold of him. I like DM'd him. I talked to my professor. Uh-huh. Finally, he was like, I'll, I'll help you out with your project or talk with you, whatever. He's super nice, but he's just busy. And like, I talked to him and stuff and, uh, he was just like, you don't see the shittiness of these top projects that you see come out. You don't oh, see the shittiness sure of horrible. what, what people have filmed or what people have edited or, um, done. The editing process will get a lot rid of a lot of that, but also just over time creating a better idea of how to shoot something because if you, and, and anticipation is a huge part of that. Like if you, especially in those projects like documentary, 
you always have to anticipate. Like a re- really good cinematographers, I learned like if you're oh, filming, yeah. they're always looking up. They're always looking up to see what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. They're not. Yeah, at times you want to be locked right in. locked in. But a lot of good cinematographers, they know how to hold the camera. It's like playing Especially soccer. documentary. It's like like if, you're, yeah. if you're doing film, it's different. This is the scene. This is what's happening. Right. You don't if have you're to in a documentary, like you're like, what is going on around me always? Yeah, and it's freaking, it's hard. But anyway, he, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I learned a lot from him because he, even in that short conversation, he's like, I was talking forever and he's like, Hey, I got to go, man. Like, he was like, he was you, like, you I got to I know. I, that. And that dude, I think that's, I don't know, but I'm not going to blame it all on ADHD because everyone kind of blames stuff on like focus. I think issues, it but, is though. But no, I, I'm telling you, I used to take, uh, what's it called? Ritalin. Did you really? Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't get work. You were done. a Ritalin kid? I, oh, I could have been an Adderall kid. <laughs> A Ritalin. <laughs> Dude, that's... <laughs> little Ritty. No, but you do. You'll be able to... I mean, and the weird thing is, I think that you work against it while you're trying to communicate, and that's why it takes you so long. Yeah. Because you're trying... You're working so hard to stay focused that it takes you time to, like, get out what you're trying to say. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Like, a lot of the times we'll be talking, and I'm like, I know what you said, Dylan. I know. I, and, and like, I'll, I'll look back at it and I'm like, Jesus, I, I'll watch it like this. I'll watch it. Uh-huh. I'll be like, Oh Jesus. I knew I was going to do that. Like, I'll just be like, you just watching keep myself going. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like wrap it up. I know. I used to, I actually went to a, a speech therapist yeah. as a kid too. Like we, I literally remember. Like, that's cause you had fat cheeks though, right? <laughs> I could, dude, we would swim. With, like we, it was in a swimming pool where we practiced literally like blowing water out. No, just like, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I would like this lady, this therapist would like help me like get things out. Like I couldn't, it's like my brain like was poo? like, like I knew what I wanted to say, but I could not say it. it was weird. And you were in a pool. Yeah. It was, it was part of like, doing simultaneous activity. Like I had to swim, but I also had to like speak. Oh, it was just trying to distract your mind probably. I don't know. It was like supposed to, I think, you know, show that I could, I don't know. It was about focusing though. Like, yeah, it's. I feel like you put too much focus on like, I feel like Lachlan has that. Like it, it takes Lachlan a long time to understand what he's trying to say. Like you'd yeah. be like, Hey, Hey guys. Um, well, he's, um, um, and There's then he's, a big age difference. He's also a kid. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like that too. And now I'm still through it. But I, I mean, at this point I've been like, well, that's just how I am. Like I'm not right. Gonna, and but, but it's it not is a problem like, communication in most wise, situations. Yeah. Communications. What communication wise, I have to be better in certain situations. Cause you know, there is like, like time limits and stuff. And like, I also yeah. think that you have a little bit of uncertainty in what you're saying in some situations. Yeah, that's And true. that's what draws it on. Because you're, like, trying to affirm that you're, like, trying to understand all of the situation. Yeah. When really you're just trying to state this one thing. And you're like, let me make sure that they know that I'm not trying to 
be offensive in any sort of these different ways or anything. So you, you go around. I make around <laughs> through the entire neighborhood. Yeah, no, you do. Back. Um, when really you should just like, you just say it, have some confidence in what you're saying. Yeah. And that's a bit, that is a really big trigger is when I start to lose that confidence. Mm-hmm. You, you start on. babbling. Yep. Yeah. Which is, I mean, all of it is just like figuring it out. You have to yeah. work on it. Yeah. And I, I admit I have not really made myself work on it that much. I've That's always, a hard thing to work on. Yeah. like I feel like this would be like the optimal situation for you to learn how to work on that. Like if you yeah. had a podcast where you sat down with people every week <laughs> and we're just like, I'm going to talk to this person and try not to continue on forever. And it was yeah. interesting that I paused like that right there. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> it took me forever to say that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's how, that's how I work too. It'll take me forever. Right. Cause I'm thinking of every single little thing and it's not. You, you might like just scheduling your day might help you a lot. Yeah. Because what I find is like I switch task way too much. Um, and this might not be the same for you, but switch tasking ruins my brain. Like it does. It makes me, a lot of things make me angry. It's <laughs> something that you'll learn from listening to this podcast is I get angry by a lot of things, but switch tasking like puts me in like this numb state where I like can't think because I've tried to think of too many things. My brain's yeah. just like, I fucking give up, dude. <laughs> like, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, if I schedule my day, I'm like, okay, two hours, I'm going to work on editing photos. Two hours, I'm going to email. Two hours, I'm going to do this. An hour, I'm going to do this. And then I'm not switch tasking. I know exactly what I'm doing. That's helped me a lot. I, cause I, I actually, that's a good point. Cause I've actually really worked on that with myself. Cause, mm-hmm. but I'll do more like, I'll write everything out that I need to do or even stuff in the near future. And then just put one and thing. then I'll put like priority. Like I need to do this, this, and this. And then I'll just, I'll like force myself instead of thinking too much. I just put on a timer, 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm locked in. I have to do something. That works so well. I do, I do it. it for an hour, dude. If I put a timer on for an hour, I'll be working and the timer will go off and I'll be like, holy shit. Yeah. Man. No, it, it helps so much. Cause then you don't have any time to think and then you just focus on whatever you're doing then. And then it makes it easier. Then 10 minutes is up. Oh, let me take a tiny break. Now I'm going to do 30 minutes um, on this. Mm-hmm. And then you just time it out. Like I've gotten a lot better at it. I think when I like come home and stuff, and I'm oh, off dude, it's of it. Horrible. I just get it off, and then I'm like. And then your brain feels like shit. You feel cloudy. <laughs> you want to give up. You want to just. Be, you're like, I'm. I'm a fucking failure, dude. I quit. Don't want to get out of bed. Just sit yeah. there. That's hard. For, yeah. I've become bad at that. Like I never used to be that bad, but sometimes now I'm just like, I can feel that now, where I I don't want to get out of bed. I'm just yeah. like, oh, man. I feel that too, but it's it's so different for me because everyone's like, ah, I sat in bed until like ten, you know, and I'm like, I sat in bed, but that me sitting in bed was to seven and uh, that was like, I was mad already that I sat in bed for that long. And I like literally the other day I woke up at like six 30 um, and sat in bed until like seven AM. Um, and I was like, what are you doing with your life? You fucking scum. <laughs> <laughs> That's dude. Some like for, I literally, I don't know. The last time I was here, the, when I came back, 
in the summer, I think. Yeah, in the summer. Uh-huh. I literally one day slept pretty late. I mean, I no, I slept until like maybe 10, but I sat in bed until 11.45. And I was like, what the hell? That's pretty, that's bad. <laughs> well, that's, do you get like that too? Where you're like, what am I doing with my life? Yes. I hate that. Because yeah. I'm like, I know that there's at least something that I could be doing right now. Yeah. But like sometimes a, it is important to not be doing something. That's why. Right. I, but I like when, what I'm, my thinking now is like, if I'm not doing anything, where are my brothers? Like, what can I hang, like, can I hang out with my brothers? Yeah. You know, like I'd rather get up early, get all the shit that I have to get done, done, and then take a break, make dinner with my brothers, have dinner with my brothers, you know? Yeah. And like spend time with the family. And that's part of growing up, which is fucking weird. Like I have to think about who I'm spending my time with and how, how I'm allocating. Like in the mornings, my family's not up. Like Brendan sleeps until like 10. Lachlan sleeps till like eight. If I can get up at five, work out, um, and do work for like three hours, then I've, I'm, I've already gotten a lot of stuff that I needed to get done, mm-hmm. done. And then if there's like a monkey wrench that gets thrown into the rest of my day, then I'm good, you know, yeah. cause I've already gotten some stuff done. Yeah. And then you don't get that stress. Cause that's, I get stressed pretty easily, mm-hmm. but I just internalize it. I never show it really. I'm just like, like, and that's, I've had a really, that's why I took that time to really just practice bringing it back to the moment. Cause those thoughts would always lead to stress. And so I was like, dude, that is powerful. Like I've been doing, I, <laughs> I say I've been doing, and I've done it twice over the past, I think it's been three weeks now. What? Um, meditating. Yeah. <laughs> I've been it's, doing it, but you know, two out of the last, um, 48 days I did it. So I, mean, I don't really, <laughs> I don't even meditate though. I don't like take, but that is extremely meditative time if, out of the day. I mean, it is, but I, I literally made it so that I'm not like, cause I used to try and meditate and it just didn't work for me. Cause I would sit there and I'd be like, like, I'd be like, you know, something would be on my mind and I'd be like, okay, I guess. No, but what you're, what you're saying is like literally meditation, focusing on the moment, an object that's making a noise, focusing on your breathing, focusing on how your breath feels. That is, yeah, it's like keeping you present, but it's doing it every second of every day. That's, and then you don't have to schedule out a time. It's almost like, even if you're doing something like this, you can still be like, so focused on what your voice, what you're saying you know, anything going on around, just always bring it back. Cause even now, like we're going to have thoughts coming in and out, but it's like, I've learned that if you just practice that and every single thing you do, like you start to really do things better. Cause you're just so focused on it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you'll ever get to the point where you don't have thoughts that just come no, into no. your head. It's always a practice. That's why it's never perfect. Like Because just, it's like, that's something that's hard for me, especially on this podcast, is I want to listen to what you're saying and then kind of rebuttal it or add on to it or yeah, say you're a, fucking wrong. Right. But, <laughs> but oftentimes I'll hear one thing that you say and I want to let you talk, 
And then I'll talk for four minutes. No, but anybody, no, everybody will do it. You know, it'll, it happens with everybody. And I'll be, I'll just constantly be thinking about what you said right at the beginning. <laughs> and then I don't listen to anything else that you said. You're and like, then I'm like, you're fucking wrong about that. You know, <laughs> I can see that when you're, sometimes when you listen to me, you're like, like you're like, let you're me try, speak. <laughs> you're like, trying, you're like, like these little, like you're trying to get your voice in there, but you're like, you can't. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I just, for me, that's worked a lot. It's not always perfect, but I just, it helps me not get stressed. That's good. As much. Stress. I've never, I, I never really understood stress until more recently. Like I was like, I don't really know what stress is. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know how it, yeah, like how it comes about. But stress for me just comes about like in anxiety. And then like, I feel like my head gets really foggy and I like can't think. And then it leads into anger because I'm like, like legitimately, like I, when I, when I can't think, I'm like, so I get so upset because I want to be like, in control a little bit. Yeah, more. I'm like, what am I working on right now? I don't even know. I can't even, I don't even understand what I'm doing. Like, have you ever just sat like trying to do something and you're like mindless and you're numb and you're just like, what, what is happening? Yeah. To a point. Yeah. I, I know what that feels I like. I get like really like consumed by it to the point where I, I'll sit there and I'll be like, and I'll be like, I don't even know what's happening with my brain. Like my brain legitimately just shuts off. And that happens, I think when I don't work out actually, like I, I've, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I quit soccer and now I'm working out more than I did when I was playing soccer. No, that's, it's true. I've, I started to do that when I stopped playing years back. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, that's, that's normal. Cause even like, cause Madison plays tennis, tennis. and I don't think they're going to really have a season. Mm-hmm. She works out more than she ever did. She hated working out before. And now right. she works out every single day for an hour. Yeah. And it's just, I feel like there's, when you have an obligation to do it, it feels less worth it. Feels less worth it. Yeah. For some reason, you know? Oh. Or maybe you feel an obligation to something other than yourself. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. You know, yeah. like when I was playing soccer, I was like, man, I have to work out so that I can be good enough for my team or so I can be good enough to do this. Now I'm like, I have to work out so my mental health is okay. Yeah. No, that and that will drive you to yeah. do it every day. Every day. Like I've missed one day over the past two weeks and I chose that day to not do it because I was like, I need a rest day. That's so, that's healthy. Yeah. It's like the healthiest thing you can do for. Yeah, I'm healthy, dude. I'm a healthy guy. You know, when people think of health, (laughs) they look at this guy that had butted brick walls when he was You better not leave your greens around because. Because I'm chomping them, you know, (laughs) they're crunchy. Most greens are crunchy. (laughs) Except for lettuce, I guess. Oh, lettuce is crunchy. Some lettuce, if if you have good lettuce, like a good ass Caesar salad, that's crunchy. Speaking of lettuce, when we made burgers last night or when you <laughs> gave me the burger that I put it on the plate and put some, I was trying to put, sprinkle some lettuce. No one saw it, but it just a big overload. 
And I was like, I just put it back and no one saw it. Yeah, so now there's just diseases on that lettuce. Yeah, just a little E. coli. A little crunch. E. coli. A little snap of E. coli. Just it's like the Ricola song. But E. coli. <laughs> Isn't that commercial? Like a little man like blowing into a horn on the mountain. He's like, E. coli. Like, isn't it? Like a tiny no, little man? I don't know. Is it? I thought it was a normal sized guy with a big ass horn. Ah, dude, I just, I think it, I thought in my mind it'd be funnier if it was a small man and then I just made myself oh, believe 100% it. 100% it would be funnier. Like a huge, <laughs> a little man. A He's huge holding horn. a Ricola. It's this big for him. He's all. <laughs> he likes <laughs> Ricola. <laughs> oh my God. Like hacking up a lung. He's like, <laughs> and then he's got this huge, and he's like falling, like holding the horn. He's like, <laughs> Ricola. He's <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Just it falls on top of him. <laughs> he's like drunk off of the Ricola. He's just the little tiny him. bit of alcohol that's in the Ricola. He's like, <laughs> There's no alcohol in Ricola. But dude, if Ricola wants to sponsor this podcast. Dylan needs it, so yeah. Wow. Give us a sponsor. Give me a sponsor. <laughs> what are you doing? What do you mean? What are you doing, like going forward? With like work and stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, I've really like started to settle into what I want to do. I think. Really. I mean, for a long time, even recently, I was like, I don't know. I still don't know. And like, I, I probably won't totally be a hundred percent like confident in exactly what I want to do. I'm still not, but I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. And it's, I seriously loved every moment of, um, helping that guy through my film. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that sounds incredible. We should talk about like that my, a little bit. That's my thing. Like I, I told my parents to. that, oh yeah, yeah. Like I told my parents that. I wanted to help people through film mm -hmm. and that's it. I got to do it. Like I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, I hate in kind of don't stop thinking about it like that okay. in kind of a weird way. Um, that came about like, it wasn't the plan. Yeah. To help him. Yeah, it wasn't. And it just, that's why I'm like, damn, I think that that's what, that's why I want. That's why I want to do documentary film. So Dylan is doing a thesis for, um, Chapman. And he decided that he was going to do this homeless man that he saw outside of his friend's house one time or his house. It was outside of my house. Yeah. Outside of his house one time. Um, and how did, how did all this come about? Like, how did you decide that that was what you were going to do and what, what are you doing with it? Well, a year ago I saw this guy named Tony outside of my house and he was picking up a piece of furniture and did you guys leave a piece of furniture out or your neighbor? Our neighbor. And in Orange, California, they always, people leave old pieces of furniture. For like, homeless people to come pick up? No, just for the garbage truck to come pick up. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. some people do it for homeless people to come by and get stuff. I don't know. But usually it's just like garbage. They throw mm -hmm. it out on the lawn. And uh, he, I saw him one day and he put it on his back. Like he put a big table on his back. And he was shirtless and he was on a bike. And he just goes and he's this old guy. I was like, how the hell is he carrying a table? And he just gets on his bike and his skin is like leather. It's like brown. And so 
I asked him. What ethnicity is he? He's Latino. I think he's Mexican. Oh, okay. But he, uh, no, he is Mexican. Yeah. But he um, <clears throat> basically asked him, like, what do you do with this stuff? He says he repurposes the items, sells them in the, in the antique stores mm-hmm. in uh, Orange. And he, I said, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. And this was a year, like more than a year ago. And I kept seeing him over time, like when I was driving, just biking furniture back and forth through orange. And, you know, uh, about like probably last year, last school year, I had tried to make a short little film about him on my own. And I never brought the camera out. I just, I would see him. So then when my thesis came up this last, uh, this semester in the summer, I just said, well, I'm going to go talk to him, see how things are. So I found him and then I learned that, um, he was actually a drug addict. And, uh, I said, well, that would be an interesting story to look at like the homeless issue right now. Um, because it's so big, like, why don't I use his story? And so I was like, I think that'd be a good thesis project. So I, I would go out with no camera. I would go out with him at you know, I'd find him, he has these little spots in orange and I would just drive up, park in another lot, um, nearby at like a restaurant. And I'd walk over to, he kind of sleeps outside usually. And he sleeps, um, he has all this, all this junk that he collects, like all these pieces of furniture. And I would find him and I'd talk with him, you know, I'd just spend time with him, get to know him. Like I would literally like buy him food and I would just like get to know who he is. Like I would like while I was getting like maybe some story points and stuff, if it's going to work or not, I would also just like, I don't know, enjoy just like learning about another person's life. I just love learning about that stuff. And so eventually I started to bring out my camera and I was like, would, you know, we can make a film. Do you want me um, to make a film about your journey? Kind of like as a homeless person selling these items, you're doing a lot of, interesting work as a homeless person. And at that time he's like, he's like, yeah, that's, that sounds good. Like he agreed. Um, but eventually as I kept filming and stuff, he was like, I need help. And I was like, like, reached out to you kind of. Yeah. He was, well, not me, but he just kept telling me, he's like, I just need help. So then I was like, I mean, he had no phone, nothing. And he's been out on the street for like 30 years. And he was like, uh, I was like, well, I can give you my phone if you, if you want to call these people. He's like, yeah. So he called his um, social worker and he also has a public defender, um, a lawyer to help him with his several cases with drug incidents and stuff like that. Um, And so they said, well, you have two options. You can either go to jail or you need to start the rehab process. And so he said, well, I'd rather start the rehab process because I've been wanting help. So then he called the, uh, the places I, I took him to a facility where they registered him for a rehab facility. Then he went into, de- into detox and I learned about drug addiction more than I did homelessness actually. So now my film is more about an addiction story because I actually met his family. Um, his parents are still alive and he's 58. Dang. His parents are still married and they still pray for him every day. Like he visits them sometimes. Have you but- interviewed them or no? I interviewed his brother and his nephew, but his parents are so old that with COVID, I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just right now, at least. But Forgot about the whole COVID crisis. 
it's been that's been a struggle too. But anyway, basically, like I, yeah, I filmed. I, I just had in my head. I'm like, well, I'm gonna make this story about a homeless drug addict trying to get off drugs to reunite with his family. That's the story. And so, um, basically, yeah, I, I, while make filming and stuff, I brought him to the detox center. He went in and um, he got out, and he never made his appointment for the rehab facility afterwards. Because you basically have to go to go into detox to get your system clean for seven days. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go into a separate facility for 90 days, which is the actual rehab. So you, it's, it's like the entrance rehab, huh? Yeah, and it's a messed up system because what um, detox centers are separate from rehab centers usually. I mean, some I, I don't know everything about it, but at least the ones that are in California that I've seen. Uh, and they, like, if you think about it, if somebody gets out of detox, like, they're going to... Here, we need to pause for one second. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Right. We're back. Sorry. My laptop is going to die. Um, Dylan has to leave soon. So we're going to finish up the story and then call it a day. Um, <laughs> Dylan just disrespectfully burped towards all of you. Um, where were you? Uh, the rehab center and then being separate from the detox center? Yeah. That um, The reason why he didn't go is because he got out of the detox center and had two days in between going to the rehab center and getting out of detox. And those two days, um, how do you, you know, if he's going to go back to where he lives, how, how do you expect somebody to not go use again? Um, so I just like, um, on the second go around, he, I kept finding him. I kept, you know, going out to film, get anything I could for the story, he kept saying, like, I still, I want to go, go in again. And so then he called again. I brought him to the detox center again. And I, I just told the detox center, like, is there any way he can get a, a rehab facility? Like, go straight in? He can't, he shouldn't come back to Orange. And um, they, they said, well, there's no guarantee. So eventually I called the detox center on the last day he was there. And he was like, yeah, I actually got into a program. So the next day, the rehab facility picked him up and they took him over. And he's there right now. He's supposed to be there for ninety days. Well, how long has he been there now? Uh, probably about a week. Wow. So but, like right before you left. Yeah, I was like right in. before, and I was lucky because I was like, well, I guess if he doesn't get in now, I'll have to wait until I get back to be able to do anything, right? That's what you were thinking. Yeah, and like his health is bad. Like he was, right. I would find him, and he said he was chest, his chest was hurting like a couple times, mm-hmm. and you know that's like if your chest is hurting and you're that old. Well, how old is he? He's like fifty-eight. Something. But with that lifestyle, like he looks like he's like eighty. Yeah, he he's definitely got some issues with like blood pressure, all that, and I think um, that <clears throat> his health was just bad, and like. Um, getting into a, a program, I, I've talked to a lot of people, and it's kind of sad because every one of them said he's the his home is the streets, and unfortunately he's going to be back here. And I was like, that's pretty. That's like sad because it, it's like not only do a lot of the people around him who care for him 
they don't really believe, even though he's at rehab, that he's actually going to do it. But they're also just like, they, they've accepted over time that his home is not with them. It's, it's really just the street. The street. And that's all he knows. And that, I was like, dang. Like, I mean, he's lived there for 30 years now, you said? On the street. That's a long time. That's I mean, a how long do you, fucking, I mean, he's 58. That's more than half of his life. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. There are one of two ways I would end the film. But um, I learned that when making a film, if you have an end goal, no matter what story you're telling, even if you don't know the end goal, for sure, if you start to have, if you start to come up with something that you're reaching towards, mm-hmm. it helps you form what you need to film. Because right. if you're aimlessly kind of filming, which I was doing for a while, and that's okay, but at, at some point you have to come up with right an in end the beginning goal. stage. It's kind of like I just gotta film and see what's going on here. Yeah, that's what I was doing. But if you don't, you just are like, ah, oh, it's an edit. I'll figure it out. That's rare. Like you have to have in a documentary. You have to have like you you have to tell a story. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line, or else you're just gonna have a bunch of footage. So you have to structure it because in the edit, you can't, you can't make something happen if you didn't make it when you filmed. Like, right. So I learned that a lot. And like, that's what, that was my log line is the simple bare bones. Like I always kept going back. How can I tell the story of a homeless drug addict tries to get off drugs to reunite with his family? It has the character characters it has the want of the yeah. character, the conflict, all in one. That's what you want. Have you read uh, Save the yeah. Cat? It's a it's a book about screenplay writing. And he talks exactly about that. Like what you need for a logline. It's hard. It took me oh, forever. Yeah. And you, see how simple that is? Yeah. Like, see how simple it sounds? It took me hours to get oh, to yeah. that. Because I never thought, I was like, he needs to get off drugs because he doesn't want to go to jail. That sounds interesting too, but that wasn't what it was. Right. It was, he wants to, he wants to reunite with his family, which is what I had to find out. You might actually really like Save the Cat. Yeah, that would be really good. It's really, I haven't finished it, but it's pretty interesting. I started listening to it after I took that Colin and Smear course. Oh yeah. um, About storytelling and I'm, I'm still have no idea what I'm doing. It's probably because I I, haven't, probably because I haven't made anything. You know, well, that's why I was I haven't forced done it. to, I, but I, I see that, that's another thing. I forced myself, even I would force myself to go out at 10 at night. I would finish all my homework. I'd be is, like, is I he have a, to around go a lot of people? Like a lot of other homeless people? No, no. He's by himself. That's why it's interesting stories. Orange gets rid of all the homeless. Like they, they just, they push them in Santa Ana usually. And <laughs> that sounds bad. I, just over the line. Just, <laughs> just scoot over the line. <laughs> right there. You know, here's, there you go. But really, like, they had a lot of homeless people there in, like, Anaheim and Orange. And they have the Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. They've got Chapman. So they enforce rules more strict. <clears throat> Makes sense. You know, I mean, when you do have a lot of homeless population, it's not it brings a lot of other stuff. Like it's hard to have a school and then have like tons of that going on, but there's not a good solution. Cause they shove them. They like basically 
this, the city of Orange doesn't have a lot of homeless shelters, but Santa Ana, the city next door, does. And it's because they're a lower income city. They mm. don't have a university or anything. So it makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's sad because a lot of these people. So how does he live there? How does he live there? Mm-hmm. Sleeps outside. That's why it's so crazy. He. So all the other homeless people. So you're saying there's homeless shelters in Santa Ana, but there are none in Orange? There are some in Orange, but not as many. And also, if you are homeless in Orange, it's harder to find places that you can stay mm-hmm. unless you have connections in the community. Because what he does is there's a Latino community. There are a lot of like immigrants from Mexico and, uh, you know, people that are living there that are, you know, they're trying to make a living and like actually, you know, either become a citizen or they already are. And they have recently become a citizen. And, you know, he's really become pretty good with that community because he'll go to the soup kitchen. He'll deliver food to houses on his Mm. bike. Um, He'll fix furniture and he'll borrow tools from all these shops in the, those communities. They all know him. And wow. he's, I think it's time too. He's been there for so long. So have you gotten all of that? I mean, I didn't really focus too much on, I focused on like a lot of my footage revolves around him kind of on his own, which I don't know if I'm regretting it or not, but it was hard to get footage with other people just because they didn't want to be filmed. Right. Um, but I yeah, did get such a weird area, especially when it's just you. Yeah. Like if and you it, had a crew, hard. you'd probably feel more okay with like trying to film more people. But if you get into a situation where someone really doesn't want to be filmed and they get angry or something. I mean, yeah. And even though I actually didn't even want a crew with me cause I, right. I like made it so that I was alone and I only had my gear and I, I just knew that I wouldn't get the scenes that I wanted if I had another person with me, even just one. Right. Cause I knew like I was going he has out, to confide in you kind of. Yeah. I mean, he's telling me crazy stuff. Just like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like, um, I just never would have gotten it. When is that project due? In April. In April. So I'm actually going to be editing now. You're edit. You're starting editing. Yeah. Are you going to be able like, if you feel like you need to get something else, well, you, you'll have. Time. I have a lot of stuff I actually have to get. Really? I still have to get. That's why. I, like, that's have you part written of the, out <clears throat> how you want your story to go from start to finish? Yeah, and basically, what I want is Act One. We get into like introduction of you know him, his Who environment. But I'm actually starting on a scene. I think of a call. He calls his mom on my phone. He talks to her and you, you get everything in one scene kind of, Mm -hmm. you get the characters, which is the story of him kind of reuniting with his mom in a way. Right. That's the family aspect of him reuniting. That's his want. And then we get, we don't get the, the conflict yet. You get introduction of like his environment. He's sitting behind a car calling. He's shirtless. He's just in a, this is an orange and no one sees this stuff. You're like, wait, where is this? And it starts on that. And then uh, we get introduced to um, his brother. He comes and visits him sometimes. But at the end of act one, we get introduced to his drug addiction, which is the the conflict. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like. That's uh, cool. You're starting it out with like, oh, it's a homeless guy. 
Yeah, and then we get his conflict, which is yeah. why is he homeless? Oh. Which oh, makes sense well, for most, reason. but but like putting it in that frame <clears throat> where you can't really tell. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, you don't want to put too much time where it's like, you don't want to stretch it out where you don't know too long. Mm-hmm. This is a short film. Right. How long is it going to be? I hope not more than 15 minutes. I don't want to, I want it to actually really? be like 10 minutes or less. Like I want it to be really, really short because. Really going for that vice shit, huh? I don't know. I mean, I just want it to be like something where it's like. Easily consumable. Yeah. Where you see it and you're like, oh man, like. I just, I sent you a video today, actually. Um, it's 19 minutes. Is it um, a film? Yeah, it's by Danny Gervais. Gervais. Oh, dude, he's so good. Um, yeah, and I actually, I kind of play a role in this, but not really, like, like a tiny, tiny role. Um, because I donated. That's the only role that I played. You're <laughs> like, because I donated. <laughs> but um, it's, dude, it made me cry. I really? was crying this morning. It's so good. He's re- see, he's a really good. We keep going it, back to it. His it's story. just the, like just like when you watch the video, it's just the kindness in the video and like what he's done for someone that has nothing. It's just fucking crazy. And he frames it really well at the beginning, and then shows like it's just. It's really good. I'll watch it. I love I his videos are great. Yeah. His dude, his stuff's good. It's really, really good. Yeah, I like him as a he, person you should watch too. Mark Bone too. Yeah, you I like want him to. a lot. He's actually Yeah, I, I really like him. I like Danny Gervais more. Mm-hmm. But Mark Bone's just like specific it's documentary. documentary. Yeah. Danny Gervais is more like filmmaker. Yeah. He's so, but like Mark Bone's a little similar where like you could watch something and you're like, oh man, like it's just so, he's so good with just like creating right. even just a YouTube video. You're just like, man, it makes sense. Right. It's how that, and like all those YouTubers are really freaking good. All right. Well, that's been an hour and 40 minutes. That was good. That was good. We got into some good topics. I felt, I felt good with these mics. Yeah. Did it feel like that to you too? I felt more confident. Like it feels like you're like, oh, people can actually hear me now. You know, like they're going to be able to discern. Can you hear me? (laughs) They're going to be able to discern the difference between like our voices, and hopefully it'll sound better. We'll see. Hopefully this isn't for nothing because if if this was all terrible, bro, that was a good. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I just think it's we're way better than we used to be. Yeah. And we, used to, we used to sit in your room and it was really bad. Cause like I would. We actually have things to talk about now. Yeah. Like I would. We've done a little bit more. Yeah. True. And like also, I just would not. I would get too. Like I, I wouldn't think about the podcast. I would just be like, you'd say something and I'd, I'd like joke off of it or something and it would kind of dwindle into nothing. Right. And I'd, I'd be like, okay, on this one, I was like, well. Now we, we actually talk like, yeah, we find tangents that we want to talk about and they help. Yeah. yeah. I actually really want to talk to more people on this podcast, like outside of my friend group, people that I don't know. Yeah. Like, there's a photographer that I, that's in Albuquerque that he's younger. Um, he's a car photographer and he's really good. Um, I like his stuff a lot, but he just seems like an interesting guy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so, it's easy to do it. Yeah. I mean, with COVID it's, it's hard to, <clears throat> Maybe do stuff like this. 
But you could also yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Well, I know it's just the comfort of other people too. It's like, right. I mean, obviously I have to reach out to them and ask them if they want to come on. And then if they were going to come on, they're obviously going to be okay with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And that, and a lot of people are like mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't, you know, as deathly afraid. Now. And there is a rapid test place in Albuquerque that you get your results in 15 minutes. And I'm pretty sure that if you have insurance, it's free. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh, that that was a part of the reason. I could not find a rapid place. My mom knows all the places. So, okay. but yeah, this was a good podcast. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was very too. at the beginning, dude. I was like, man, I haven't done this in a long time, and I was like, shit, this is gonna be bad. And then we just got into it. We just started yeah. fighting verbally. <laughs> we kind of ruffled our feathers and just. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, you got to go have Christmas before Christmas. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) No, no. No, It's important. Because it's the warmest day and our grandma is she, she. Oh, it's the warmest day. That's why you're doing it. Because we can't go inside. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Especially because of her, too. Yeah. We, my family has not been doing that. What? I, I go and hang out with my grandparents. It's just, it's just different for everybody. Everybody yeah. assumes their own risks in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. We just have, and we've like, I wear a mask the whole time and stuff, obviously, but it's just like, I guess if you're eating and stuff. Yeah. That's why we're outside too, is cause we'll be eating. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so, you know, it's different, but hopefully we get through this shit quick. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm ready. I'm too. And I, the, the way that these states have been handling this is ludicrous. Yeah. It's getting worse too. Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> they're devolving. They're like, Oh, power, 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 power. And then they see it slipping away and they try and grab more of it. I swear to God, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I, hopefully the vaccine can help. But I think the biggest thing is having someone step in and just say, you know what? We're going to wear masks we're going to have these policies in place and the States, if you um, like almost a little bit giving people the, the option to be like, okay, well it's it's your your own risk, but just putting some simple policies in place rather than this back and forth on also policies that don't ruin the economy completely. Like we can, we can downsize a little bit. Like we'll be all right. If we're working at 25% capacity at a restaurant inside, we'll be all right. You know, we can deal with that. But the fact that we have to do 25% capacity outside, we're not allowed to go past 9 p.m., which makes no fucking sense. It's already, it's been dark for four hours. What's yeah, the I difference? I don't get the time. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I think it's because they think that people drink at night and then But the, the bars judgment. aren't open. The bars aren't open. It right. doesn't make any sense. They're, <laughs> they're ludicrous, dude. They're out of their own fucking minds. I don't know. It drives me bonkers. And they don't like, if they're going to make these statements like this, they have to tell us why. No. And what scientific evidence there is that's backing it up. You know, they're just saying, we're going to fix this and we have to all lives over everything. You know, like we have to save all, but you're ruining people's lives. Thousands. Yeah, it's a hard. It's so freaking hard too because millions, yeah, millions of people's lives. Their own, 
California is fucked right now. <laughs> New Mexico is fucked right now. Yeah. The small businesses employ like 90% of the people in America, small yeah. businesses. And those are the people like we're just force feeding ourselves into these giant corporations. That's big chains are going to live. Big chain yeah, restaurants are going to live. I don't know why. Amazon is exploding. They're going to do better than ever during this. And I, that's, that's what, a, I don't, yeah, that's another argument that, cause I know it's sad. It's sad. Cause the small business is the structure and the foundation. Like, those are the only ones that are like really feeling this. All the other ones have figured out ways because they have the capital. Yeah, Small exactly. businesses, like they can't do it. Yeah. And that's why there's a big argument against these. Like, honestly, I don't like Jeff Bezos at all. Like I, 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 yeah, get, I, don't I respect know. his, he dude, did you journey, know he, but he, 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 they hired 1200 employees a day this past year. No. So he's, at least giving people. Jobs. I mean, he gives millions of people jobs. Yeah, just I don't know. I, it's hard to it's hard to say that he's not doing anything, but we are making a way where it's just not the same. You know, like having all of the power in Amazon is different than being a, like, like it's good in some ways, but it's also bad in others. Like people have jobs, yes, but a lot of the jobs are shitty. Um, and people are less likely to go and do their own thing, which is really what pushes the economy forward is innovation. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. You know, it's becoming like this weird, like monopoly, like, yeah. And it's just being force fed. The monopoly is being force fed by this shutdown. Yeah. And I mean, if people aren't understanding that, then they're, I don't it know. I don't know how to, to help them. support, but. <laughs> Local business right now, though. It really is. It's extremely saying, important. Go to Vernon's. Speak easy. Go. <laughs> yeah. Or the cafe. Six, cafe 6855. All right. We got to go. You got to go. Right. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe if you are here. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have another one. I'm going to reach out to some people and we'll have another one. It's a nice. Uh, Plus me and Dylan. You know, Dylan's always going to come back on the podcast. So. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll make my <laughs> guest well, appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I get another mic, we could, it would be nice if we could reach out to that guy and have a three. With Which guy? The Sam guy. Oh yeah. He's, he's super nice. That would be sick. It's just time. Like we'd have to find it. It'd right. I mean, a, all of that's timing, but like no, maybe over the really, summer really or good. something, that would be kind of sick. Yeah. And he's, oh man, he's had so much experience. He's really, really interesting to talk to. Yeah. That sounds cool. All right. All right. Peace out. Thank you. Bye. Bye.